0: I'm sitting out in my car in front of a home in Bel Air. Haven't done this in a while. And I'm nervous. When you're going to talk to somebody like Bob Newhart, I'm, I'm a bit in awe. This is a guy that's had an amazing career on television. But I just spent the morning listening to his first three records, The Button Down Mind, Bob Newhart, Return of the Button-Down Mind of Bob Newhart and Behind the Button-Down Mind of Bob Newhart. Now, these all were recorded roughly between 1959, 1961. The first album, the Button-Down Mind of Bob Newhart, won two Grammys. 1961, the Grammys. Won the Best, the Album of the Year, uh, Best New Artist, and Return of the Button-Down Mind won Best Spoken Word Album the same year. So this is an amazing amount of output. And these were huge records. And these were game-changing records uh, in terms of what I see as the evolution from the comedian to the stand-up comedian. I don't think Bob Newhart gets the proper respect that he should as a stand-up comic and as somebody that really invented the form of uh, one of the, the main Inventors of the form of, you know, uh, American stand up, you know, shifting away from joke telling and from, you know, straight up uh, comedic entertaining to actually doing cultural commentary and satire. I mean, people are familiar with uh, or at least familiar with the name of Lenny Bruce or the name of Mort Saul. Um, But this is a little after those guys put out their records that Bob was working and these records are profoundly important in terms of, of creating what the possibilities of stand-up could be, of, of point-of-view comedy, of criticizing satirically the, the forces that were at that time, you know, marketing, advertising, politics, uh, bureaucratic employment, uh, you know, what was being presented as, as uh, the future of America, this is a, a, a an interesting time that I don't know about historically that often, but it was a transition time. You know, at the middle of the Eisenhower administration, it's before Kennedy, but it's post-war, and there was a certain amount of momentum going on in America. You know, there's a big change going on. You know, the beatniks were already around, as I said, Lenny was already around. There was a counterculture, but Bob Newhart, you know, becomes huge, really speaking truth to power. In a very palatable way, you know, he did comedy that that it wasn't just you know him on the phone talking to you know, to someone we couldn't hear, but there you know, on some of these records there's there's characters he's doing characters that are in, engaging with each other. He's setting up scenes uh, in offices, you know, on the telephone, uh, in driving instructors, uh, on vacations. Yeah, you know, he's doing full scenes. He's uh, what I heard one reviewer say about Cosby, he's peopling uh, the, the stage with these characters. Uh, this is not something you see much anymore, where, where comedians will do a series of characters within a scene. There's a few guys that do it, and I love it. It's a rare thing. Uh, and it, it was you know, it was rare, even then, obviously, to do well. In my mind, Bob Newhart's one of the most important stand-ups ever. As I said a lot of people know him from his TV shows and and I think those are fine I think they're great they're obviously amazing they were hilarious both the Bob Newhart show and Newhart years later but there was a yeah there was a period where he was just doing stand up. You know he guest hosted the Tonight Show with Johnny Carson over 80 times he was on the Dean Martin variety show you know dozens of times Ed Sullivan made appearances in movies but if you think about it and I'm not sure you would unless I told you, you know, the three records that happened between 59 and 61 uh, were over 10 years before the Bob Newhart show, which really familiarized everybody with Bob Newhart. That's a long time. I wonder what was going on in those times. I wonder what, you know, what was going on in his mind as he made the shift in, into stand up. I, I guess I'm going to find all these things out. As soon as I pull into his driveway, just sitting out here weirdly in Bel Air, talking on a microphone parked on a you know, fairly secluded lane.
1: <sighs>
0: and he's you know, in his 80s now. I'll try and keep my, uh, my act together here. You know, I've made a bunch of notes here. You know, I've got two pages of handwritten notes in the margins all over the place. It's just like my brain splattered it onto a piece of paper all the things that I should know. But ultimately, it's going to really, you know, come down to me and him him and I sitting there and talking. Oh, man. Yeah, I always, I feel this way a lot. Felt this way when I was sitting outside of Jonathan Winter's house. Felt this way when I was in the parking lot of of uh, Mel Brooks' office. Sitting outside of Carl Reiner's house sitting outside Dick Van Dyke's house. These guys are guys that, you know, that were were sort of there at the beginning. And it's always daunting to me to sort of, how do I encapsulate that? How, How do I, you know, get a sense of that? How do I get it, get it all in or at least get that moment? You know, this, he, he, moments of of, of i, I, I don't, i've got to shut up I should probably uh i can't even head inside yet um, so I'll just sit here. We were just talking about Jonathan Winters when I spent time with him. You said that he was one of the first guys you ever saw?
2: He was uh, Johnny and I got to, well, there was a club in Chicago called the Black Orchid. And somebody, I think somebody fell, I had never worked a nightclub, but I had um, had a kind of minor reputation around Chicago. As what? As just a funny guy. Um, I I did a a local television show there. I did a man on the street show. And a guy, Tom Racine was the host. Yeah. It's a man on the street show in in 1958. Now, a man on the street show was revolutionary in 1947, but <laughs> it was no longer <laughs> revolutionary in 1958. Well, that's what it was. So it was hard getting people to stop because uh, they'd, they'd like just push you out of their way, you know. Oh, here comes a gentleman we'd like to talk. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> they'd had enough of it already. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so he would he would do regular interviews and then I would be the comic Relief, and I would do
0: on a topic, usually, or just no, just
2: whatever I wrote the night pe- <laughs> the night <nine laughs> before. So
0: that was on you. <laughs> whatever struck you. Show up prepared.
2: Whatever struck me It's funny. We were well. We were on opposite today, and, and Captain Kangaroo. Mm-hmm. So tough spot. Very tough spot. <laughs> it was five days a week, uh, and we were on for sixteen weeks. We got one postcard. <laughs> <laughs> we weren't even sure if the if the signal was getting out of the building. The
0: postcard said, why are you guys
2: still on? <laughs> no, the postcard, I did a guy, the most famous uh, human interest storyteller in the world. This man has published many books of human interest, just yeah. strictly on. So Tom asked me, what is your favorite of all the stories you've written, you must have a favorite human interest story. So I tell this story about. it. I said, well, it's the family, and they had this dog, they had a little dog, and and the, the dog had been with the family for um, oh years and years. and somebody left the door, the, the gate open, and the dog got out. And when the kids came back, from, from, you know, from school, and said, "Where's, where's Sparky?" and you know, and uh, the mother said, I know, it's just in the house. I said, uh, no, I look in the backyard. She said, not in the backyard. So they started looking for the dog. Oh it just became blibbering, yeah. you know. <laughs> the car was a guy he wanted to buy the book. Oh you, you thought
1: book? <laughs> he thought it was a little book.
2: <laughs> so I said, "Oh my God, we're not even getting through to people. They, <laughs> they,
1: they don't know it's a, it's, t- no. it's a, it's
2: a stick. It's a
0: <laughs> that still happens, you know. You, I'm the, sure There's a sucker board every minute. People <laughs> just believe everything literally. Poor <laughs> guy, you moved him. He's <laughs> all worked up. <laughs> just wanted the book. So, <laughs> I, it, you know, I listened to you know all the records, you know, the, well the first three records, and um,
2: first three were the best. Yeah."
0: Well, it was an amazing amount of output, you know, and it, it, it was, was a
2: flood. It was a—I mean, the first three albums were just—they—they they just poured out, right. And we,
0: and leading up to that, before we get into exactly what happened, so you're around Chicago, you grew up there, yeah. You, do you go back still?
2: Yeah, I go back. I you love you got it. People yeah, there? It's a great city. Yeah, I love it.
0: Still have family there?
2: Yeah, my, my my three sisters are there. Yeah,
0: and so what? Were you, i mean, when you grew up. What was your your family like? What was the, the life like? What did your old man do? <laughs>
2: uh, uh he drank. <laughs> well, I mean, but I <laughs> see. I thought everybody. I thought everybody's life was that. Yeah, you know, that's what a kid does. Right. I mean, he 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 worked during the day. Uh, he was a heating and air conditioning and heating salesman. Uh-huh. And then he'd come home, and then we'd have dinner. Sometimes as uh, a family, other times not, and then he would leave around eight o'clock, and, and he would go to this bar with all his friends. Yeah, and then he'd come back about eleven thirty, twelve o'clock, and he had a snootful, you know. <laughs> yeah. And uh, but that's, uh, but I, I thought that's what every fa- father did. You and know? In,
0: in retrospect, what do you think? Uh,
2: well, I, I, don't think he wanted to be with us. I mean, if I. <laughs> if I <laughs> It finally dawned on me that maybe we weren't. That. In fact, I guess my career is all about just trying to get my dad's attention. Hey, and I had this. I had this conversation with Steve Martin. He had the same. He had the same upbringing. Really, his not that his father was an alcoholic, but his father was a um, was just uninterested. Right. And, Detached. And, and he spent his time just you know, trying to impress his dad. And so...
0: I, yeah, yeah, I think that's... I, a, I'm
2: devoted. I mean, I, thank, I want to thank him. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, <laughs> because <laughs> I, if I grew up in a normal house, I'd I'd be an accountant somewhere. You know?
0: <laughs> really, it's, it's interesting how many comics I talk to that have an experience like that, you know, whether their father's detached or absent or, you know, this need for this approval to prove yourself. Sure, sure. But there's also, like, a weird anger at the core of that as well. Like, you know, why, you know... So, so I guess your mother was was solid.
2: Yeah. Oh, yeah. She was, she was yeah, very, she kept it going. Yeah. You know.
0: But was your dad? But, but
2: in a way, she allowed him to do it, you Well, know? that's
0: the classic structure. Yeah. 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 Put him to bed, picked him up, walked yeah, No, in not
2: that so much. He wasn't that kind of drunk. He, he just was, he, he drank every night. Yeah. Until a doctor said to him, uh, George, that was his, his first name, uh, he said, George, you can't drink anymore. You're allowed one drink. Mm-hmm. And, and my, my dad said, uh, okay. And that was it? That was it. From then on, he had one drink during the day. That's all he had.
0: And was he a, a different guy?
2: No. no. <laughs> <laughs> he probably, not as much fun, you yeah. know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Are you the oldest, or where do you fit in with the whole? Uh, second oldest, yeah. And where did your sisters end up doing? Where, where, how
2: did it all go? Uh, oldest sister is a nun, a religious Really, Catholic, Catholic really a nun? nun. Yeah, why, why would I lie about that? I'm not going to make anything up. <laughs> she was the first astronaut, the uh, first woman astronaut. <laughs> the first astronaut nun.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's the, right. The flying nun was based on her. <laughs> but uh, So so you brought up religious?
2: Yeah. Oh, yeah. You could say that. Yeah. Catholic. Catholic. Yeah.
0: Yeah, the fear was put in you early on. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> and you remained uh, religious. Yes. No. It's, well, that's. Uh, I guess you got to have something that holds you together, right?
2: Uh, yeah, I, I, I. Yeah. I. guess. Yeah. It. It. It works for me. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I mean, I'm not. Okay, I'm not as religious as I used to be.
0: Show business will do that to but you. But I
2: like, but I like this. The I like Francis. I like a lot of the stuff he's doing. That, Which uh, who? Pope Francis.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I call him Francis. Okay, I, yeah, yeah. You talked to him this morning. We're very close. <laughs> yeah, I
2: just got off the phone. God calls
0: me for advice. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. That's a new bit. You're on the phone with Francis. <laughs> yeah, he seems like a, a certainly a more open-minded fella. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's a, Have you been over there? Have you been to Rome? Have you seen the heart of it all?
2: Yeah, went to Rome with the, the Rickles, as a matter of fact.
0: Like, when did that friendship start?
2: <laughs> that friendship started because um, my wife, Jenny. Yeah, of, of fifty-one years. Jenny she, she mar- married. We're married fifty-one years. She and Barbara Rickles, who was then Barbara Sklar, uh-huh. was a secretary for an agent. That that Ginny was going out with, not while we're married, but before before we got married. Because I would have I would have put my foot down. Sure, you would have said, "Hey, wait, wait a minute!" (laughs) Not not
0: the situation I had planned.
2: (laughs) No, (laughs) so um, so I had never met Don. Yeah, but I I knew I of course knew of Don, so. Uh, I was I was in, at the I think the, the Sands in Vegas uh-huh. in the main room. I uh-huh. always bring that up, the main room, sure, because there's a pecking order. Yeah, of course. And he was not at, in the lounge. He was in the lounge. Okay. At, at the Sahara. Yeah. So Jenny said, and they, and they had just gotten married. So, uh,
0: so this Ginny, is a young, sweaty Don Rickles. You it's know, the was,
2: same don rickles you, <laughs> was, you <laughs> see i just saw him in canada
0: you know do a, did a, you see a, yeah i saw him do the q a at the end because i was doing a gala show after him and when i got there he was oh that's
2: right he just did yeah. the uh yeah the, and he
0: was sitting up there just this, for la-
2: just for last yeah, yeah taking
0: questions and it was phenomenal and he always speaks very highly of you and <laughs> uh, you know and it's it's just the yin and yang of it the the the, the kind of the the differences in your personality. It, 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 I guess it was meant to be. I, I'm surprised you guys never did the Sunshine Boys.
2: We talked about it. Did we you? To, yeah, we had talked about. It. By that time, it meant w- learning a lot of words.
0: So it was recently.
2: Yeah, I would say five years ago. Right, maybe. right, right. So anyway, a- anyway, so so Ginny says Don. Oh, Don and Barbara are in town. He, he's in Alonso. Why don't I set up and we'll have we'll have a, a late dinner with him because mm-hmm. his hours were like he started at one in the morning and went till six in the lounge so we said fine so we go to the sahara as i remember the coffee shop right which,
0: <laughs> yeah the all-night diner thing <laughs> yes yeah
2: yeah yes. and, and we're, ta- we're talking i'm talking to barbara jenny's talking to don and now it's time to go and see don's three o'clock show in the lounge so now we're then Don goes back to change into a tux. He still wears a tux. Yeah. And, you know, everybody, Cosby, everybody else has given up. Yeah. I mean, Cosby's in, in sweatsuits. Yeah. You know, but, yeah, <laughs> and I, I, I'm just in a jacket, but Don still, he wears the traditional tux. So he's going back to getting his tux. So we're walking into the, the showroom, to the, uh, the, the lounge. And Jenny says to me, he's such a sweet man. He's such, Oh, he just, he just wants to be with his family, and he hates being on the road. I said, Honey, that isn't that isn't the man you're going to see, okay? I mean, I'm, I, you know, I, yes, he is that way, but... <laughs> She'd never seen him. She had never seen him, no. <laughs> he walks out. First thing he says, and they put us in the front row. First thing he says, uh, he said, this uh, stammering idiot from Chicago was in the audience uh, with, with his hooker wife from Bayonne, New Jersey. So... <laughs> I look over her; jaw is dro- dropped, and I—I I, I tried to tell you—that <laughs> <laughs> is what he does. And that was, that was the introduction. Then we then we started taking trips together, and we just—that was it. Huh? That we was just it. have a yeah, We yeah. just have a good time. We just enjoy each other. Well, it's interesting to me, you know, when I when I
0: listen to your records again, like today, is that in my mind, and one of the reasons that you know, you know, I have such respect for you is, is that there was a difference in what you were doing. As a performer at that time, I mean, you know, Don Rickles is, you know, he's his own thing. He's Don Rickles, but he's a club comic. Yeah, and it seems to me that you, uh, you know, are part of this legacy of of what really became, in, in my mind, there's a difference between a stand-up comedian and a comic.
2: There was a there was a, a sea change in comedy. At, right around fifty-eight.
0: Exactly. Yeah, and and it was, you know, the comic now had a point of view. He had uh, a way to speak, you know, a certain amount of truth to power. You know, he was able to take his time and, you know, it wasn't all based on old jokes. No one, you know, There was no joke trading. It was a
2: specific. Which, which was a reason. And, yeah. the reason and, and it was it, probably more Saul first. Right. Uh, then Shelley. Right. Mike and Elaine. Johnny Winters, myself. Lenny. Lenny. that And that was pretty much. Right. Pretty much it. The reason they couldn't do "Take My Wife, Please" because it was college audiences, right? And and they didn't relate. I don't have a wife, you know. D- d- tell me something that affects me, right? You know, and and so they they didn't go to nightclubs, right? Because that's what the, I'll burn a hole in the coat, you know, the, right. All all the punchlines, which everybody had stole from everybody else,
0: and that was their parents, anyways. Yes, and they so now great- they
2: had to find their nightclub. Their nightclub was a college dorm. And they ordered pizza and and beer and they sat around and played. Mortzal, <Sall>, Lenny who, Bruce, was record it
0: was? because you. Were, I think it it seems like Jonathan really came out after you on, on record, and 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 I guess Shelley and Mort and Lenny had done a record. Proceeded, yes. yeah, just a couple of years. So. And
2: I think Mike and Elaine yeah.
0: and Mike and Elaine. Yeah. So when you're coming up, I mean, what, before you started doing comedy, because you really didn't you know start doing stand up until after the record came out, right?
2: I did stand up to make the record, right? But before, before the that, first place I played as a stand up, we recorded the album two weeks that,
0: later. That's mind that blowing. I now. know <laughs> because, like, knowing that and having read that, I was sort of listening to that record. It was like, hey, he's a little nervous. He's a he's a little nervous. <laughs> oh,
2: oh, <yeah>. Try terrifying. <laughs> I <don't> know. <laughs> Wait, there's another. So Warner Brothers, they yeah. finally found a place that would take a chance on a comedian who who had never played a nightclub. We're going to tape on Friday night. And on Saturday, one show on Friday night and two shows on Saturday. Friday night, I get a drunken woman in the front row. that That's the worst thing a, still, a comedian can get. It's still the worst yeah, thing. Still yeah, still the worst
0: thing. That and the bachelorette party, the worst.
2: Yeah, because you can do... Same thing. you thing. With a, a woman drunk, you can do maybe two lines and then you better stop because the the sympathy immediately shifts to right, her. Right, right. When she's drunk, so I'm doing... Um, Abe Lincoln, or I'm doing the driving, sir. Yeah, and she's saying, "That's that's a bunch of that's a bunch of crap. That's a, that's a bunch of crap oh, no. it's through the entire." So we go up to <laughs> Georgia, back and she's clearer than I am. Yeah, that's a bunch of crap. So we had to. <laughs> On the tape. We had to yes. We had to, we had to throw Friday night out. I got two. I'm nervous enough anyway. And where are you? I'm at, In Houston, in, at the Tidelands. In, in Texas? In Houston, Texas, yeah. Well, why that choice? Why Texas? Because they're You're the sh- only ones who would take a chance. It took them a year to find a club who, for this, to hire a comedian who had never played a nightclub. Yeah, a
0: nightclub in Chicago? There's tons of them? No one would give a local guy?
2: No, no.
0: It was that tight. We
2: don't got. Right, it there was there was yeah. a second city. Right. They were approached, and they, and I was told they said that isn't our kind of stuff.
0: What does that even mean?
2: I guess improv. Okay. I guess it means right. improv. Right. I guess that's what it means. All
0: right. So you, all you got is Saturday night now.
2: All I got two shows Saturday night. Yeah.
0: And you nailed it. Y- you,
2: what you heard was that's what happened. Yeah. And you could you could hear the nervousness in the.
0: Well, not like nervousness, but like knowing what I knew. You know, and knowing that, you know, this was it. Uh-uh, okay. You, you, you okay. know, like, I, I, there was an intensity to it. Because, you know, by the time I got to uh, behind the button-down mind, I mean, your flow was different, your comfort level was different. You know, I,
2: I'm not even aware of it. I, yeah, I, yeah.
0: I mean, but this is just me being, being sort of like, you know, the, obviously the material was great and you were great. I mean, it was a huge record. The first record to, you know, to win, you know, won two Grammys. So that was phenomenal. That had never happened before. Yes. <laughs> so, and out of nowhere, your first night on stage, basically, as a stand-up comic, you won three Grammys and it's a national phenomenon. It sells all over the world.
2: I did, I did a show one time. I'm getting ready because I only had people, did really don't even understand, I only had one side of the album. Because pe- people don't know what you mean by one side because they're used to CDs.
0: So what, four bits?
2: Three, three bits. Three. You, had three well, you have three, three and a half. You three had three bits going into the show in Texas. Yeah, I had uh, uh, driving instructor, Abe Lincoln, and submarine commander. Uh huh. Were the three I had.
0: So at that time, recording an album was no small task. I mean, it was big equipment. You
2: oh have- yeah. Well, you couldn't see it, but there were there were microphones hanging. Yeah. All over the place. Yeah. yeah. So I got three routines.
1: Yeah.
2: So I go out one night. And I come off, and I go by the maitre d', and he said, they're applauding, he said, go back out. I said, I, I don't have anything. He, I said, that's all I have. He said, well, go back out, they're applauding. <laughs> so I went back out, and I said, um, which, uh, which one would you like to hear again? <laughs> <laughs> that's, all, that's all I
0: have. So leading up to this, what was the trajectory? So you, you go to school, and, and then you go into service? Yeah. And how long were you in the service? Two years. Did you go to, To, were you in Korea?
2: No, I was in California.
0: That's it. That wasn't as hard a battle. (laughs) No war stories.
2: I was, I I lived in Chicago at that point, 22 years. Yeah. Uh, They they sent me to California. Now I run into the California weather and I'm like, Great. Why didn't someone tell me about this? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> all these years, right? I've been freezing to death or, or, or perspiring from heat, mm-hmm. and no one told me about California. So yeah, I said, I, you know, as soon as I get three hundred dollars, I'm coming back out here. Yeah, so.
0: yeah. And you went to? Did you go to school on that, GI Bill? How'd that work?
2: Uh, yeah. Afterwards, I went. I went to law school for a year and a half on the on the GI Bill. And you bailed. I flunked.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm give you nice out. I
2: failed. I'll use that from
0: now on. <laughs> but it wasn't your thing. You, you weren't interested. I
2: was too busy with. No, I, I was. Well, I was a law clerk. Like I, I'd, I'd go to school in the morning and part of the afternoon. Then I'd be a law clerk in the afternoon, and then at night I was active in a in a play group. So something had to suffer, and it was. It was law school. At least that's my version of it. Now.
0: You were doing sketches and stuff. No
2: plays. Just full plays. These were, yeah, full plays. Yeah.
0: When was the accounting period?
2: That was after I flunked out of law school. So then I went into accounting. Yeah. And worked two and a half years as an accountant.
0: Was it horrible? I mean, were you were you like you know this can't be my life?
2: Bored to death. Yeah, bored to death. That that's how the Bob and Ray thing came about because. At the end of the day, the, this guy I was in the play group with, Ed Gallagher, he'd call me on the phone, and we'd do bits over the phone just uh-huh. to break the monotony of, uh-huh. of accounting. And so I did two and a half years, and then I thought, I, I just got to try comedy. I just
0: And when was the advertising gig?
2: That was after accounting. That was a very short time, maybe six months. A friend of mine was in advertising. He got me a job in advertising.
0: And that didn't appeal to you.
2: I got fired. I got to, well. No, I mean again, my side of it is I was on the wrong side of the room. You know, I worked for a guy named Fred Niles. Yeah, who who had this building, which is now Oprah, Oprah or was Oprah's Building uh, in Chicago, and I was on the wrong side of the room. And he, so he fired half the room, and I was I was on the. That's my version of it. <laughs> you can't don't ask Fred because he's gone. But I think he has a different version of it. Anyway, at that point, I said, I got to try this. If I fall on my face, I fall on my face. Okay, I'll go back to accounting or whatever, advertising.
0: But some of this stuff was so pointed. Your experience in accounting and your experience in advertising, your experience in sort of a a face with bureaucracy, but also... Your experience in in what really became the dominating force of American culture, which was advertising, did did it did it play into like because it seemed like on the first record, the couple of bits, the press agent, Nabe Lincoln, and certainly the marketing of the Wright brothers, that these were you know they, these were you know, very pointed satires about about image and about what people thought were true.
2: That that's why they they came up with the button down mind. That's why it was called the button down mind of Bob Newhart, <clears throat> which wasn't even my idea. That came out of Warner Brothers. That the uniform of the day on Madison Avenue was a button-down collar, mm-hmm. and so much of the material was about advertising and marketing and that kind of thing that they called it the button-down mind.
0: That was a pretty smart marketing person.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know where he is. <laughs> I, I, never, I never got a chance to thank him. He did,
0: he did you right with that one. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know that mainstream America had seen that, that type of satire really, you know, as accessible as you made it. Uh, that
2: I, don't, I was just doing what I thought was funny. Right. I, mean, I, I can't say there was a giant overall plan, but but,
0: but, it, but it was definitely you know you had a you know there was a certain you know chutzpah to it. I mean you know you, it was the world that you sort of had been in a little bit, and it was a world that everybody was starting to understand that was becoming public. I mean this was it was a pretty powerful time for America. Sort of post war, yep. everything was moving forward. The economy was good, right? Yeah, yeah, Eisenhower. Yeah. 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 But there was this weird beatnik thing that was happening. Yeah, there was a shift that sort of led and into the 60s. Different,
2: yeah. Actually, you know, they always said nothing happened in the 50s. A lot was happening in the 50s. Things were breaking uh, Mort, apart. Hall and yeah. Lenny Bruce and Shelley. And, and
0: All right, so you, you start, when you say you're going to start doing comedy and you got this idea, you know. How did you first start to approach it? Because it all happened so quickly once you you know got the record. But did you start going out and watching people?
2: No, I don't think so. <laughs> you,
0: no. you just were gonna, gonna Bob and Ray did it. Bob I'm gonna and do Ray, it. <laughs>
2: yes.
0: <laughs> so you didn't. Start I, seeing...
2: I thought I would. I thought my dream would yeah. have been to have become a writer for Bob and Ray. That that would have been. That's the epitome. That that's.
0: Well, there's a you know that dynamic. I mean, you can certainly hear. You know a bit of that, but you know there's only you. There's just Bob, and and you know we <laughs> you're the 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 beats were filling in the blanks in reaction to this fictional person, this unheard person. Uh, but so you didn't you didn't go out and study anything. You're just sort of like I'm going to do this. Where did you realize it was crazy at the time, or did you really think of it as a reasonable career?
2: No, I just no, I just had to find out. You just wanted just, to do it. I just I just had to find out. People were telling me, gee, you're funny, you know. You ought to go to New York, you know, and get, get in a play. And then you, you go to New York and nothing happens and you come back and the, the guy who told you to go to New York says, yeah, I thought that would work out for you. It's you know, a- <laughs> now you've wasted five years <laughs> of your life yeah. and all this guy yeah, says nothing. is that, yeah, really, I thought that would work out for so, you. So
0: what was the series of events then? So you, you, you had these bits that you wrote with the, with the guy on the phone, the you know, with your, your buddy from accounting? Ed Gallagher. Ed Gallagher. Yeah. So yeah. You, you put these on paper.
2: There was a guy. I think Chris Peterson was yeah. his name. He put up the money, so we could make an acetate okay. of like ten routines that we had uh-huh. that Ed and I had developed over, over the and a lot of them were, were improvised. They uh-huh. were just it was an open mic and will oh, um.
0: You mean the two of you were just yeah, working? I'll, I'll be student.
2: a I'll be a submarine commander. Okay, right. okay. And okay. And then I'll I'll introduce you as you walk out, okay, fine. Right. And then we'd just, we'd just go. So we sent these, and we got three replies. We got uh, Northampton Mass, which I think was a girls' college near there.
0: You sent it out as an audition reel. Yeah, we uh-huh. sent a hundred of them. This, okay. this
2: guy put up the money for Peters. Chris Peterson. Yeah. Uh, we sent out a hundred acetates. Three replied. Uh, <laughs> it should have told us something. Yeah. Northampton Mass, Jacksonville, Florida, Idaho Falls, Idaho. Uh-huh. Almost coast to coast. Not, uh-huh. not quite. <laughs> we needed, Select cities. We need Seattle and, and <laughs> yeah, then we would yeah. have been. Um, so, okay, now we got, to, Ed said, what, what did we charge? I said, I, I have no idea. I said, I know. Five, five, five five-minute routines a week for 13 weeks. I said, um, I don't know, 7 dollars yeah, yeah, Yeah. I said, yeah, I think. Well, we found out the tape cost more than than $7.50. So one of the stations stiffed us. I don't know which one it was, one of the radio stations. Two wanted to renew us on this, basically, poor man, Bob and Ray, Mm -hmm. program. And we wrote them back and said, I'm sorry, we can't afford to do this anymore. We, it, you know, it cost us money. So then, Ed, Ed was offered a job in, in New York in advertising, at BBDO. So I'm in Chicago, and Ed had to take the job because he had kids and he's married, and and we had nothing going. We weren't making money. So now I said, okay, I either have to find another partner as good as Ed, or I go out on my own. So I, I decided to go out on my own. So a lot of the conversations, somebody is still there.
0: Right, yeah.
2: He's on the other end of the phone.
0: Right, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but and, and leading up to the record, how did the record deal sort of come together? You couldn't audition.
2: No. What happened was a, a, a disc jockey friend of mine, yeah, uh, a guy named Dan Sorkin. He was a great disc jockey. He was like... Just off the wall, kind of. Right. So the Warner Brothers record people were coming through Chicago. So they call on Dan because he's a very big disc jockey.
0: To see what's going on?
2: To just, uh, you know, handshake. And, yeah. uh, oh, by, by the way, we've got the Everly Brothers. Oh, right, right, and, right. Know, right
0: yeah. kind of really like <clears throat> you to play this, uh, this hot piece of wax. Yeah.
2: <laughs> so uh, he said, I had this friend of mine. I was on a... They had the Tar Show in Chicago. Yeah. Got huge ratings, and it was off at eleven o'clock. NBC decided, what do we do with this audience that we've got? So they decided to build a show around Dan Sorkin, the the disc jockey. The I was TV a, show. A TV show. Yeah. To keep the power audience. Yeah. I was a, I was a writer and performer, and the show lasted, I think, four weeks. I think. The director, he said, if, if, you op- if you were at home and you opened the window and when the power show went off and the Dan Sorkin show came on, you could hear an audible click of television sets all over <laughs> <laughs> or Chicago being turned off. <laughs> so, yeah. anyway, yeah. Dan is he, so he's familiar with my material. So the wonder one of the other people. So he says, I have this friend of mine, I think he's very funny. And they said, oh, okay, we'll listen to him. So Dan calls me up, he said, borrow a tape recorder and record Abe Lincoln, submarine commander, and driving instructor. So I, I do, I take the tape down there. They listen to it, they say, okay, we think it's very funny, and we'll record you at your next nightclub. Right. I said, I've never played a nightclub. They said, well, well, then we'll have to find you a nightclub and record you at that nightclub. And that was the year. And that year. took a year to Unbelievable. find them. Because I called them up at one point. Because I, I had signed a recording contract with Warner Brothers. And I said, whatever happened to?" They said, we're still trying to find a place that will take a chance on it." I can't believe that's so astounding
0: to me that the, that the industry was so intimate at that time and so controlled that if you wanted to, you couldn't just rent a place. You know, but that wasn't really a possibility because you needed the audience of the Oh night yeah, court. oh
2: yeah, yeah.
0: You needed to walk into an established joint. You know that um, it's it's amazing to me. Okay, so it takes you a year. You end up in Texas. You knock this thing out, and your expectations around it. You, you knew you did well, right? Yeah, I mean you felt no, good. You no, no,
2: no. I didn't know. I I, I thought the, the I thought the record might might sell twenty five thousand. Yeah, copies. And so, if I went into a city, maybe there are fifty people that heard heard the and would come in to uh, to to see it right. to see the guy.
0: So you make a little bit of money. You think you could get started?
2: And and and, and it's a great adjunct to a stand-up career. Yeah, sure. So I had no idea it was going to explode. What,
0: what do you what do you what do you think that was? What what do you think that moment was? I mean, you know, culturally. I mean, what because I mean. Before, I mean, you were familiar with Lenny Bruce. You knew, you know, Mortswell. You know, these guys were, were, you know, aggressively taking on politics, you know, and aggressively pushing the envelope. And you seemed to find a level. This is, I guess I'm answering my own question. And no. You can tell me if I'm right or wrong. That You found this level where it was, where it was clean and not menacing to, to sort of get the message of, of, you know, kind of sticking it to corporate America, kind of sticking it to yeah. these these. Yeah. these Shadow Force.
2: There was, there was a uh, God. I, I remember uh, Milstein, his last name, and he was a writer for the New York Times. Mm-hmm. And he came down. He interviewed me at some place, maybe the Hungry Eye, where I was playing at the time. And um, he wrote an article, and and he called it "The Man Who Bites the Hand That's Feeding Him,"
1: mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> which is kind of is what we we're talking about. Yeah. He's biting the advertising. He's making fun of the advertising world that the advertising people are going to see this man who then makes fun of what they do.
0: That's a tricky business because if you go too far, they're going to be like, screw that guy. Yeah, That guy's finished. He's a troublemaker. (laughs) But somehow or another, you found a very diplomatic line. There's nothing better than being able to, 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 to rip somebody and have them laugh
2: without them knowing it. Sometimes without them knowing it. Yeah, they, the word, because they're saying, I, I know that guy.
0: Yeah, yeah. right. And, they, and, they, and it's him. Oh, yeah. I guess that's something you share with Don Rickles. You're just a little... <laughs> that might be the core of your friendship is that you're much more subtle,
2: <laughs> but you're kind of doing the same thing. Okay. I'll take that. <laughs> I knew where I stood in terms of pol- politically... But but I also knew I was, I was doing something important. I knew, I was making fun of, the large corporation, mm-hmm. and I was making fun, of the military, mm-hmm. the, the highly organized. I I was just doing it in a little different way than
0: you're humanizing it, you know okay. that, you know that uh-huh. in the sense that you know because you were doing characters, and yeah. you know and these characters even though you don't hear Abe Lincoln talk you know what he became in that bit was sort of like this you know overly earnest you know not quick person and and the shtick of a yes. the, the the press agent was like uh you, you
2: know what's the fact that this this is one of the most revered presidents <laughs> in american history you, you, and and I'm, I'm saying the guy isn't real bright yeah, you know he's thick yeah yeah <laughs>
0: And it, and it was I think it was it kind of released some steam in the American culture. It's it just it's phenomenal. like in just listening to this stuff this morning, it's so fresh in my head that a lot of that stuff still holds up and, and, and the the thing with the uh, the the rocket scientist is 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 a great bit
2: because then that's see that's weird because that's one of the really obscure:
0: I love it. I love it because you know you're dealing with you know I mean, Lenny did a bit about Hitler. Right, yeah. About, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That bit about, yeah, you know, he's a painter, yeah, MCA and Hitler. You know, but it, it, it's still Hitler. So uh, Hitler's on the periphery of the rocket scientist. But, but the, <laughs> yeah. to actually, you know, to actually draw attention to the fact that, you know, these, these rocket scientists were Nazis. Uh, yeah. you, you know, and then, you know, the whole bit is this sort of like, it turns out will you're going to pay And the best me later.
2: line in it, and it, make a long story short, yeah. we lose the war. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <Okay>. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> but that's
0: provocative stuff and I don't know that Americans were necessarily certainly people that that weren't, you know, intellectuals or on, you know, or paying attention had not put that stuff together at all necessarily.
2: Okay. <laughs> no, no. I, I, all, all I'm saying is it struck me funny right. and, and I and I did
0: it. Did you feel but, like but you I had wasn't a,
2: setting out to right. blaze any new trails or
0: Right, but it, it was just. But, this is but, where your mind but was. But this working. was
2: in my gut that right. these things were upset me.
0: You had, but you, oh, they did upset you, and you had a point to make. Yeah, the you large,
2: saw. unfeeling corporation, yeah. the, the military. That this this man, uh, uh, this submarine commander, <laughs> rises <laughs> at, at least seven <laughs> levels above where he's where he's competent. Right, <laughs> <laughs> and, and and very calmly <laughs> explains this horrendous trip that they that they made. Two years, underwater. Two, underwater. And the sick line yeah. is what we, we saved, as you know, we knocked two two minutes off the previous record, uh, four minutes and 29 seconds, in surfacing, firing at the door, toward target, and then in resubmerging. Uh, I think a lot of the time we saved was because of the men we had to leave on deck. <laughs> I think they, in no small way... <laughs> Had an awful lot to do with the two minutes that we cut off the record, and, and, and we, none of us will soon forget their somewhat stunned expressions as as we watched them through the periscope. I'm not even sure that's. I'm not even sure that's on the album, is it? I'm not sure. I,
0: I, I don't think it is.
2: You know why? Because Don Don Adams stole it. He stole it. I tried to. I I, I had I had nothing going. Yeah. And I tried to sell him the submarine commander. Yeah, and he turned it down, and then, and then just took it. Yeah. Oh, yeah.
0: before you did button down mine, how did yes. you how did you come in touch with Don Adams?
2: Because at this point, nothing was happening, and oh, for so that I said, year. "I'll become I'll become a co-. no the, even before oh, okay this is, when Ed had gone to New York and right and I I'm I i do not know what the hell direction to go in and I said okay I'll become a comedy writer. And uh, so I tried to sell it to Don Adams and Don and I were good friends and we get a Is he it. from Chicago No, Don's from New York.
0: How were you meeting these guys? Who else did you He pitch? was at
2: the was at the cloister
0: mm-hmm. in
2: Chicago uh, Don Adams I'd seen him on television and
0: so when you start when so there was a period where you were going to be a comedy writer and you'd go out and try to pitch gags to guys
2: Only to Don Adams that's the only one <laughs> I was, I, because he <laughs> stole it and, and he did me a favor because well I said well if they're going to steal it I, I may as well do it myself.
0: <laughs> so that was your one experience in, in Com- writing jokes. I just took it. All right, kids, a good idea. I I'll can't tell use you,
2: it. I'll tell you what yeah. happened. I, I did it for him. Yeah. Um, and it, it, he was staying at the Mayflower Hotel in uh, in, in the Cloisters. Uh-huh. And I I stood up and did, it, did the submarine commander for him. He said, uh, "I'm trying to get away from that particular character, but the thing so here's my address and keep in touch." You know, so and I at home, and I'm watching the Steve Allen show.
1: Yeah,
2: and he comes on, and he's doing the submarine commander. Yeah, and I'm yelling at the TV, "That's mine! That's mine!" He did the whole bit. He did the the he did the guts of it.
0: Yeah. yeah. And that one part that wasn't that you weren't able to put on the record.
2: But so, you, so when I made the record, I took that part out, right? Because I I was afraid people were going to say, oh, he stole that from Don
0: Adams. So that was still that was an issue with that generation of comics at the beginning. This idea of of the bits being you know yours, yeah, especially if they were original. I mean, there's a difference between an old joke and uh, you know and a and a unique take on something, yeah. And everyone was aware of that. And also the darkness. See, that's the other thing that, like, you know, it started to drive me nuts when I was coming over here and thinking about talking to you is that I think that most people know you from the television shows and that, you know, you made these seminal, amazing records and there's a darkness to it, there's a cut, there's a bite to it, you know, you were sticking it to them, you had a point of view. I mean, that the the ledge psychology bit, (laughs) even as simple as that, like, I don't know that, you know, anyone was humanizing these, you know, because it reminded me, you know, that bit that Lenny did about the guy who put his mother on the plane with the insurance policy? Oh, yes, yes. yes. <laughs> you know, so, like, you, there's this idea where you, you got this story where a cop, he's going to talk a guy off the ledge, and he doesn't. But not appear to. Right, right, right. He's got to play it cool. Yeah. Not, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and you think it's all going well. <laughs> Where'd that guy go? <laughs> you know, that there, there's a darkness to that that's... that's you know, but you finally hilarious. talk him
2: out of it, and then... You you are gonna disappoint a lot of people. You know? Yeah, right. Some of the right. they've been on there two, three hours, <laughs> you know.
0: They need a show. Those, yeah, <laughs> Which
2: right. is again you're attacking those right. those strange people down there. Who were expecting who, the blood. Who, who are expecting, yeah. Right, yeah.
0: yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was it was amazing. So so you do these three records almost in, in, in you back to back, and now all of a sudden out of nowhere, without being run down by the road, I, I think that you were given a gift in that I, do you think your point of view could have survived as a un, you know uh, uh, just going out and doing nightclubs without the the amazing sort of success that happened all no, at once? No,
2: no, I don't think. Could you anything. have handled it? But no, because I did it. Yeah, I mean w- w- when I played the the Houston, the Tidelands, and then there was about three months before the record came out. So I played night I played a club in in Windsor, Ontario, Canada, and. It's across from Detroit
0: as an unknown
2: yeah yeah the record did not come out right and died every night I died two shows a night for a week and the Canadians are very nice people I mean they 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 didn't yell anything they they just they'd occasionally look up and oh well he's still on oh
0: and nothing
2: nothing not a snicker
0: in the states too
2: no, then I went to another club in Winnipeg, and it went great. Cause, yeah. Because at Windsor, I was, I was thinking of going back to accounting. Right. Because I wasn't going to spend the rest of my life standing on the stage with no one paying any attention to me and not, and not laughing.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: It's the same material that was, that was a hit four months later.
0: So you learned a lesson there somehow. Well, yeah. You know, I'm not sure what it is. <laughs> All right, so now you're okay. a comic. Now, you know, you, you do the three I'm months. A comedian. Of, yeah, yeah, stand-up uh-huh. comic.
2: Stand up comic. Okay. Stand up comedian. Stand up comedian. Uh, Jack Benny once said a comic says funny things. A comedian says things funny. Okay. Okay.
0: Yeah. And and you do the Winnipeg show. You you, you got your road you got your road chops in in between <laughs> recording your record and the release of the record. And you know, you you went through a dark night, you know, between Winnipeg and Windsor. <laughs> <laughs> a very condensed experience, and then this this record blows up, and now you're you're a made guy, you're one of the guys. Now I got to assume that a lot of guys were like, "Who the hell is this guy?"
2: Yeah, because they didn't know I wasn't part of. You know, oh, I ran into him. Yeah, he followed me right. into all the into, comics. There were hundreds of comics. I said, "Who?" Yeah, I didn't know any of. them. Right, where the hell this I guy? I knew him come by from? reputation, sure. but I didn't know him. I mean,
0: the one benefit of it is, and the the miracle of it is, is that, as we said before, if you would have just started out on the road, who the hell knows what your style would have become. So now your record becomes popular exactly the way you wanted to do it. And now people are like, we want to see that guy. And they're coming out to see it. It's an amazing gift. You didn't get all beaten up.
2: Because it's all attitude. Right. It's all attitude.
0: Yep. And if you were out there, you know, grinding away, trying to make, you know, entertain people as an unknown... You might, you might not ever come up with what you might never arrived at what you wanted.
2: The hell with it! I, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not I'm not going to go through this. <laughs> I'm
0: not right cut now. out for this. <laughs> so what happens? So like it must have just been like a rocket. You must have just been like you know overnight almost. It
2: was crazy. It was just crazy. Then it was the hungry eye. Then it was the crescendo.
0: Yeah. And the, you're meeting all the guys. Who are you meeting? Like I'm, who? You well, seeing?
2: I'm no. I'm not meeting all the guys. I I met him as I go along. I meet Buddy Hackett.
0: Oh God, he was so funny.
2: Yeah, yeah, inventive. So inventive.
0: Just like, but he's just, he was one of my favorite, like when I was a kid, I I sent him, I sent away for his autograph picture. Did did he
2: send it? Yeah.
0: (laughs) Somebody sent (laughs) it. You're
2: one of the lucky ones. (laughs) Somebody sent (laughs) it.
0: My grandmother loved him.
2: You know,
0: she'd go to Vegas a lot, my grandmother. She'd see Shacky Green, Buddy Hackett, Rickles. (laughs) What she said about Rickles was funny. He's very mean, nasty, but after the show, he apologizes very nicely to everybody. (laughs) 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 <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and she loved Buddy Hackett, but what 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 first what's what first started to happen? Because you know we're talking 1961. It's still ten years before the Bob Newhart show, where America you know gets to know you as a yeah. television personality. So so what happens? You you know I know you did the, you know D Martin show a lot. You did Sullivan. Yeah. You know you did.
2: Um, I'm getting calls. Yeah. The record uh, explodes, and. I, I got a call. Do you want to do six at Sullivan's or eight at Ed, Ed Sullivan's? I'm like, what? What? What the hell's going on?
0: I don't know. Just but, like that. But
2: I, I'm enjoying the, the hell out.
0: Right. And when, when? How do you record the other two records within two years? How does that happen? Did you just get manic and just start jamming? No,
2: it was a flow. It was. It, it was. It. It just kept coming out. It just, as you were
0: performing more.
2: Uh, yeah. Yeah, right. I, I'd I'd get a germ of an idea and then I'd expand on it and say, oh, okay, that's starting to work. I'll throw that in tomorrow night and, and I'll add this and until you had a bit.
0: And then then you started to. It seemed to me that you started to enjoy, do you know acting characters. Yeah, you know, I watched some of this stuff with Dean Martin. It just looked like you guys were having so much fun. <laughs> we were, <laughs>
2: we were.
0: <laughs> I mean, how how many times did you work? Well,
2: he he never. I did. Uh, I did twenty-four Deans, because Greg knew that who's Greg? Greg Garrison, who yeah. produced. Oh, right, yeah. the, the Dean Martin show. Yeah, he said, "Why don't you take some of your routines and and include Dean? Because Dean Dean came in Sunday. That was it. You know, that's I mean, the day they that, shot. Yeah, that's the day he came in around noon, one o'clock. <laughs> he, so he played golf in the morning. He came in. Now sometimes he'd be he'd be in his dressing room and and They'd have a camera, a, a TV set, and he'd watch it and see what he was supposed to do. Other times he would get involved in. So, I do the thing with the hairpiece. Mm-hmm. He had never seen it. Right. He had never. So when I start doing it now, it, now it breaks him up about returning the hairpiece.
0: <laughs> so he was a great audience.
2: He's a great audience. Because yeah. he, he he wasn't at rehearsal. No, <laughs> no. He just it's just funny to him. So, so. Greg said, "We, uh, I need a short thing at, at, at the front, you mm. and Dean. Mm-hmm. I said, okay, I'm a plate act. Plate, okay. plate act, you know, right. with the yeah, sticks. Sure. And yeah, it. Yeah. So, but I'm from Europe, Eastern Europe. Yeah. So Dean said, we're very lucky to have uh, one of the great plate acts of Eastern Europe with us, uh, Greg or somebody, whoever yeah. I am. Gregor, nice thing thank you very much, Mr Martin, He said. He said, I'd love to have you would you do your famous plate act for the for the people here? I said I lost the plates. I said I took the plane the sticks in the plates are lost. I don't I don't know where they went. He said, Well could you do it anyway? I said without do, do without <coughs> the plates? Yes, could you do it without the plates? You want me to do the show without the plates? So I said, "Yeah." So no, there's he's nothing. There are no he's plates. He's mine plates. Yeah. I don't know. I just because it's funny if a plate if a plate loses his plates, what yeah. has he got?
0: And Dean was just cracking up. Oh,
2: yes. <laughs> now it's a challenge dude, yeah. every week to break Dean up. Was it hard? No. No. That's a, like I never knew
0: that about him, but that makes so much sense because he was so in the moment.
2: Oh yeah, he he, never, <laughs> he would finish something, and then Greg would be there. Gene, you walk over here, and, <laughs> and then, walk, he'd just, then he'd just and, and just and just read those cards, yeah. <laughs> which is what he was doing to me. He's just reading the cards over uh-huh. over my shoulder.
0: Great entertainer, though. Oh, yeah, yeah. So when so in that decade there. You were doing Vegas prior like, or,
2: to yeah prior to the
0: to the TV show. Yeah. So you're doing Vegas, and you you got a family. You know, you got a wife. You yeah, got, and, and that must have been a, a strain. Was it?
2: Well, they they wouldn't go. On, well, they'd go on the road with me too. Yeah. Um. Um. But mostly I play Vegas, and yeah. they'd come up. Right. But then on 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 Sunday night, they'd go home. Jenny and the kids would right. go home because they had to go to school. Right. But then they come up Friday night, and so uh, it, it was as normal of a life as you could.
0: Have as an entertainer? Yeah. It, but So you weren't doing the road, per se. Were you, yeah,
2: I'm still doing the road.
0: And what what about the Variety Show? How did that come about?
2: Yeah, you know, the Variety Show was the result of the record album. That, that came, the first one again? Yeah, the first one. That, that was 61 to 60. So
0: there was a feeding frenzy. This guy. we got to get yeah, this guy. just
2: get him on television. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There were some very good shows in there. I wasn't very good. I, I was fine. It was a it was a monologue, girl singer, guy singer, sketch, mm-hmm. a, actor sometimes mm-hmm. an actor. Charles Lawton, then random
0: s- Charles Lawton, <laughs> <laughs> just a guy you remember. I mean, we, Charles Lawton was there, I think, one day. <laughs> Charles,
2: <laughs> Charles Bronson, uh-huh. right? before he was Charles Bronson, uh-huh. and we do a sketch. I was terrible in the sketches. I just I, I, I'm so used to well, I'm so used to people right the monologue with people and, yeah. and then there are these people that I know he doesn't look like the guy I thought I, that I made up <laughs> that's in my head
0: <laughs> so you had trouble making the jump from solo to in, in interaction sketches yeah, yeah
2: to sketches yeah I had, I had plus the fact at the end of the first year they were going to renew the show it, it was borderline it was yeah they said but you got to make some changes uh, you have to get rid of the announcer Dan Sorkin, I said no, no.
0: The radio guy. The radio guy. You brought him along.
2: He, he was my he was my announcer. Yeah. I said no, no. I. You can't. did him
0: a solid. That's a, a loyalty thing. I, I guess get...
2: so. I guess so. Well, hey, no, well, if, he was.
0: I love knowing that people like take care of their friends.
2: Well, if know? he hadn't, yeah, exactly. played the record for Warner Brothers, I'd. <laughs> yeah. No, I'd, I get it. Yeah. Yeah. So I said, plus the fact that that. I was doing a monologue every week, 33 monologues, and they weren't of the quality. They occasionally were of the quality, but they weren't of the quality of the record.
0: The, of the stuff that you wrote alone? Yeah. So you had writers?
2: I had writers, and I'm writing some yeah, of sure, it myself. Of course, of course. But the pressure of every week right. is... So the, to me, the quality of the monologue was... So...
0: And you have a very specific style. It's not like you're just doing jokes off the news. I mean, you gotta—you know—these are elaborate bits. You were probably your monologues are probably one bit, right?
2: Yeah,
1: yeah,
0: yeah. That's a different—that's a different game.
2: I, I one time, this was in—I uh, wasn't getting along with a producer, and um, at that time, um, so I went home to Chicago at Christmas time. <laughs> this is how naive I am. I call up my my. My manager Frank Hogan, I said Frank, why don't you call NBC? I I really don't want to do this anymore. I mean, So, why don't they put in another show? And and I'll just I'll just do college concerts. Well, the next thing I do, a vice president of MCA has flown into Chicago. You, you no, you can't do it that way. You just you can't say you can't <laughs> say this over. isn't this isn't working out. Bob doesn't. <laughs> enjoy this as much as he thought he would. So can you just put something else in there? <laughs> I mean, that's what I thought. They, they sent the heavies. They, and, they, and now they see their commission going away because they don't own the next show that's, that right. they're going to replace. Right. right. So, so I, I make it to, to, I did 33 shows, I think. So
0: so that, like after the vice president, if he held your ground, the next guy would have had brass knuckles. And the- <laughs> <laughs> and live near you in Chicago. We got a guy here. Maybe talks some sense in this new art character.
2: So okay. So yeah. I'm I'm going in. They're talking about renewing me. I'm thinking, do I really want to do another three thirty three shows? Trying to a a good monologue every week, and then they said Dan Sorkin. And then I said, I, I no, I don't want to.
0: So that's that's uh, incredibly uh, bold, you know. You you realize the integrity of what or,
2: you, or stupid. Yeah,
0: but I, it was. But did you do you have regrets about it at that time? I mean, no, no, cause you were because you're making money. Because everything on the road.
2: is well. Everything has
0: turned out right, great. It, but the reasons were, you know, the integrity of what you do, and and you know, the, the sort of like the treatment of uh, your friend. You know, I mean, that was. You know, those are those are big artistic choices. There's nothing worse than, than saying lines. You, you you know that you you know aren't right they're not funny and then and then you got a bunch of people saying like just just do the joke you know it's not a it's a it's a funny joke it's funny enough what do you what you gotta go crazy for
2: <laughs> as you're doing as you're writing the new routine they're, they're saying funny funny.
0: yeah yeah, yeah it's great it's that's great. funny yeah yeah funny, sure. funny. yeah not a, no change <laughs> <laughs> of expression there's a producer over at conan funny idea do funny yeah. idea <laughs> And If you actually make them laugh, it's like, oh my god! <laughs> if that's what you're really laughing, like you've been bullshitting me for what? five a year now. Like that. That's the first time you laughed.
2: <laughs> it's it's like you're walking down the street, you know, and you come to a corner of a building, and you ter- and you hear this terrible noise, and you turn around, and you you see this safe has fallen, and just missed you by about three feet. Yeah. Then that's your life. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god i almost got
0: that. that's it so then you, you then you're just you know for those years you're doing tv you know this is after the variety show you're doing d martin show do you feel like you're part of the crew at some point like you're doing like you're doing uh Johnny's show a lot and you're doing d Martin show i mean did you you're hanging out with buddy hackett with don Rickles? rick yeah, and now, I'm, yeah Queen. now
2: i'm getting to know especially in vegas yeah you'd get to know Opening acts, and you get to know closing acts. And who
0: are some of the guys you work with that you really got close to?
2: Well, Shecky. Yeah. Uh, Don, Buddy. Do you talk to Shecky still? I saw Shecky. I did a, yeah, I saw. I did a date um, last year in the Springs. I uh-huh. saw Shecky.
0: Yeah? I mean, Is it good to see these guys after so oh, many years? Oh, yeah, people? yeah. I wish I'd seen him Shecky, when he...
2: Shecky, he was, yeah, he, was, he was, he'd just make it up. He just... <laughs> He just walk on stage and just start making it up, and Killed. I heard great stories. Like he, he the Vegas, they wanted you. They wanted the opening act to do a half an hour, and yeah. the closing act to do an hour, and and that's what they wanted. They they do not thirty one from the opening right. act or or an hour and one from they wanted an hour. Yeah. That's all because they wanted to get the people back in the casino. Right. So Shecky is in the lounge at the. The Riviera.
0: He sort of invented lounge comedy, didn't yeah,
2: he? Yeah, and, yeah. And and he's and the the lounge is at this point is a a, a small showroom. It's beautiful. I mean, right. And so he's in the in the middle of his act. So there he's gone over the hour. So they start turning out the lights. Yeah. And he's on stage. So he takes a match. He lights it. And <laughs> he keeps he going. does the rest of his act. <laughs>
0: <laughs> he seemed like a, a pretty uh, exciting character.
2: Oh, yeah,
0: yeah. And, and Buddy Hackett Live was amazing, too, huh?
2: I saw Buddy one time. It was just, he came out and he said, uh, I was talking to uh, Joe Kelman. Joe Kel- I know Joe Kelman. Joe Kelman was a guy in Chicago. He had a, he had a glass company. And uh, I got married to Sherry, my wife Sherry, Sherry Dubois was her name, Cherie Dubois. Her actual name was Esther Cohen, but she changed her name to <laughs> Cherie Dubois. <laughs> so I tried to, and he goes on and, and and he does his bits. And then, now 20 minutes in, he says, uh, oh, what was I talking about? <laughs> and the audience, as one person says, uh, Joe Kelman. Oh, yeah, Joe Kelman. And I think, you, you son of a bitch, you knew. You knew what exactly where you were, yeah. but you made it look like you just he improvised, was making it. it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> that's a, it's a good it, trick. Great, but you always stuck by the script of what you did. You were not a you know you didn't improvise much, or you didn't like it. Or
2: here, I, I'll tell you a story. Yeah. Right. I had a thing because I started really at the top. Right, like, most comics start uh, opening act. Mm-hmm. For 10-15 years, but yeah. in the back of their minds, it's when I make it, I'm gonna buy a Maserati, and I'm gonna buy the home in Beverly Hills. And now I, I, I started at the top. Yeah. So I've got to learn at the top. I got to learn my craft at the top, because I don't know my craft right yet. So every night in Vegas, I peek through the through the the curtains to check out the audience and oh it looks like a trouble table then yeah, yeah he's drunk he's gonna yeah. be he's gonna okay he's gonna be trouble oh shit there's a woman over there she's gonna be trouble so you feel it don't
0: you huh yeah, you feel it, yeah. It's every every
2: every show yeah. yeah it's a ritual yeah so I'm talking to my manager and I hear my bow music I thought, I haven't looked through the curtains yet and I thought to myself well. I'll handle it. Whatever happens, I'll handle it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> that that's, was a big that's, shift. That's one I knew.
2: <laughs> I learned <laughs> I
0: I feel that too. You go in the room and you're like, there's a bad energy. What's happening right there? That's that's gonna be the problem. Sometimes they're not though. No. You know, they're just people. Some of them know how to behave. <laughs> it, some of them realize they're at a show. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm surprised. Like and some, now, yeah.
2: now, after 53 years, there's a respect that they don't sure. they don't yell up at you. Yeah. The reason I had a problem with drunks or hecklers, because I'm in the middle of something. I'm in the middle of the rocket scientist, yeah. and now there's some drunk, and he's yelling out something. Now i got to go outside the bit to put him down somehow and then get back in into the bit. So that,
0: it ruins the continuity. Yeah, 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 and sometimes depending on how the crowd work goes, it's hard to get back into the bit.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. but you've had to do that. That's why. That's why I hated it.
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and that's why I look for the trouble. For- <laughs> yeah. but even if you look through the trouble, even if
0: you see them, you just you're just preparing yourself. You still can't stop course, anything from happening. Of course. Yeah, I didn't realize you you guest hosted the Tonight Show so much.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: That was it. Like That's unheard of now. No one does that. Everyone's so afraid of losing their job. No one would
2: ever think. 87 times yeah. or something. Yeah.
0: And Johnny would just, what, you'd just get a call? You, I mean, you, uh, your relationship with Johnny was good? Were you guys yeah. friends?
2: Yeah, no, we were friends. Yeah, oh, okay. Good friends, yeah.
0: And uh, he was a hilarious guy.
2: Oh, quick, yeah.
0: And he just trusted you with that gig. It seemed like there's only a few people during that period. Yeah. Where,
2: well, see, what he, here's what he would do to me. Yeah. You go to a pre-interview. Yeah. Right, you're going to do Johnny show. So, right, right. Um, Pre interview. Uh, just came back from a trip with Rickles. Has a funny story about Don in Venice. Okay, that's the first. Second one. Uh, ha- just has a new dog. Has funny stories about dog in the house. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, Bob and Hart going to sit down next to Johnny. <laughs> yeah. Do you ever go ski shooting? <laughs> And I'd look at him like you son of a bitch. You know I have nothing on speech. What are you doing? And he'd have this kind of yeah. smile on his he face. Did. He set you up, but he but he trusted me, and and, we, and we'd make something out of it. But he did that all the time.
0: Oh, that's hilarious!
2: And of course, what I loved is when he when he came out and died.
1: Yeah, and
2: would you know, call them like see if the mic's on and <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> he invented something I'll tell you that and when did you like doing that do you like
2: uh, hosting or anything? yeah yeah it was a challenge but it, it was so powerful I mean in plugging mm-hmm. appearances mm-hmm. That you, were, you know um,
0: so yeah so you, you you fill up places. but I,
2: I did it for three weeks one time in New York mm-hmm. I filled in for Johnny Actually, he was having salary um, disputes with NBC so they were looking for people who maybe would take Johnny's place. But <laughs> the, he knew that? Did this he? Is in, yeah oh sure this is in the 70s. Did so. you
0: have to ask him first he said I know you're in this contract? No no I,
2: I was just kind of aware of it no one yeah. ever said it oh, but okay. it was kind of in the mm-hmm. uh, so I did it for three weeks. Um, the writers took the three weeks off because I'm not going to fire a writer Right. And, you know, so they would give me three bad jokes, and then, then they work on their play. You know? <laughs> so I've got eighteen bad jokes. So I'm at the end of three weeks. I, I'm a, I'm a bad case. Yeah. I'm, I, I'm brain dead. Yeah. And and the man did it for thirty years. I did it for three weeks. I'm and I'm brain Exhausted. dead. Yeah. yeah. It takes a, a special person to do that. Oh yeah, yeah. To do a, that
0: show? It's 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 insane. A
2: dedication that's yeah in, incredible.
0: And when in, in terms of movie acting, it seems like he did a lot of you know a few you know meaty parts, but you know you'd show up and they know exactly. It seemed like people when they cast you, they were like, "Well, Newhart would be good for this." Yeah, right. Yeah, and you didn't really do really serious parts till fairly recently, right on television. Yeah. Do you like doing
1: that?
2: It depends on the on the yeah. project. Right, you know, right, yeah. It, um, I mean, I I never studied. Acting, right. I mean, I was in that group, but it, I wasn't never really studying. What it. was that
0: group? Did they have a name? Just
2: Oak Park Playhouse. Oh, okay. So, it's a suburb, Second suburb of Chicago. No, yeah. no, suburb yeah. of Chicago. Right. And we were doing Pygmalion and uh-huh. you know, those kind of <laughs> yeah. those kind of.
0: I, no, with no guidance, just <laughs> no, a director. Yeah. No,
2: and I played in very cheap sets. You know, that, that uh, <laughs> you barely know. held up through yeah. the performance. Yeah. And someone sat in, and they broke and fell. Fell
0: apart, but but Catch Twenty Two was a big role. Oh yeah, and that was a bizarre movie and a great movie, a great story. Mike Nichols directed it. That's right. Did you know Mike previous to that?
2: No, I only knew of Mike through right, Mike and Ryan. Yeah, and then so, of course, and then of course, when he started directing,
0: that yeah. was the cast on that was astounding. Yeah, yeah, and you, you know, when you did that, was did you feel like your movie career was going to you know really take off?
2: That's an odd. Mike came to us and said, "You're all figments of Yosephian's imagination. You you don't actually exist. You're <laughs> you're figments of your Sarian's imagination, um, which is catch which is the catch twenty two of uh, I want to I want to get out of.
0: You got to be crazy uh, to fly. Yeah yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah yeah yeah
2: yeah. But if you're crazy then. You're not crazy. Right, 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 right. Because everybody does. So I, I didn't, frankly, I didn't know what the hell Mike was talking about. <laughs> but, so I just played it for laughs. I just played major, major, major. Just, I made it funny.
0: Yeah, it was funny. Now you're seasoned. You can act. You're one of the guys. Was there, Before I get to that, was there resentment of you coming in as green as you were from other comics? Did you feel that at all? probably (laughs) (laughs) that's good that's diplomatic a little bit maybe I just know comics and I got to assume you're taking some you're taking a bit of uh, a bit of shit here and there
3: (laughs) yeah
2: I won't tell you who the comic was but he could be on he could be in Venice yeah for six months yeah Saying a beautiful hotel, great money. Sitting, reading Variety, and and cast. I would have been perfect for that. <laughs> yeah. And he's mad.
1: He's, yeah. Right.
2: Sure. Yeah. And perfect. I would have been perfect for that.
0: <laughs> I had a friend who used to call the TV the resentment box. <laughs> <laughs> Do you look at, how the hell that guy get that? <laughs> 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 I guess it never changes. You know, it's a tough business. So the opportunity—had you been given other opportunities to do sitcoms before that, before the Bob Newhart show, and you were just too busy on the road or didn't want to do it?
2: I don't think so. I don't. No. I, I I don't I don't remember. I um, maybe. Yeah. But they didn't. I read them and they didn't Nothing. seem right.
0: So how did this come about?
2: This came about because um, MTM was founded by uh, Mary Tyler Moore, Grant Tinker, and Arthur Price. Mm-hmm. Arthur Price was my manager. So he came to me, and this Mary's show was a big hit. He said, would you like to do a television show? And I said, yeah, already I said, you know, you get off the road, you know, and have a normal life. Uh, yeah.
0: Just drive over to Burbank or wherever.
2: Yeah, and um, he said, "Okay, okay." So he said, "I got a couple writers and Dave Davis, Lorenzo Music, and the three of us sit down and kind of knock out what you'd like to do." Yeah. So we started talking about, "Okay, all right, based on the record, Bob listens to people. Well, that's what he—he's a very good listener." Okay, who? What's a profession where people listen? Uh, psychiatrist. Mm-hmm. I said, well, psychi- I said, psychiatrists really—they deal with seriously ill schizophrenics—and mm-hmm. and much as I would like to get my humor from from schizophrenics, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't think America's ready, ready for Ford yet. <laughs> so th- then we said maybe a psychologist. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay, psychologist—they do well, kind of lesser disturbed right.
1: people. Right.
2: <laughs> then we started casting. Then um, we saw... Um, Bill Daly. Well, I knew Bill from Chicago. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bill wasn't in the original. The original pilot was Susie. Susie was on... Uh, she was on The Tonight Show with Johnny. Mm-hmm. And my manager, Arthur Price, had seen... He said, I think I found your wife. A comedian. I didn't know she was missing.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: He, he said, "Suzanne," I said, "Suzanne, be great." I said, I, "I didn't think she'd want to do weekly television." He said, "Well, I'll, I'll make a phone call," and so she at the, she said yes. So then we built the show around the condominium that that we stayed in mm-hmm. in Chicago, and the and the condominium meetings. And we and we shot that we shot that pilot between that time. Then we reshot it. We shot it with Bill Daly. Uh, Mrs. Paley, or or Bill Paley, who ran the network, owned the network. Seen had seen her on a Merv Griffin show. That mm-hmm. she'd be, she'd be very funny on um, on what's what's his name's show.
0: Your show, yes. Bill Paley. You were what's his what's name? name. Yes. The, one of many what's his names. <laughs> yes. right. uh,
2: so, so that marsh I, I had worked with Peter on. Um, Peter Bonners? Peter Bonners on sketch 22 And and I knew we were going to do the so show. So who was
0: Pat Paley talking about? Marsha Wallace? Marshall Wallace, okay. yeah.
2: So I knew we were going to do the show in front of a, a live audience,
1: mm-hmm.
2: um, which every show did. So I knew we needed people who were used to live audiences because as a stand-up, I was used to live. Peter was in the committee up in San Francisco. Yeah. Marsha had done some acting. Um, Susie, of course, had done a lot, never done, well, she had done Broadway, mm-hmm. but serious stuff, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Um, and Bill Daly, Bill had, was doing stand-up about the same time I was doing stand-up. Um, so so we, we, we reshot the show with those people at it.
0: Yeah, I was wondering because I was going through the first disc and then like the second disc starts with a pilot, the one I think
2: it's it's in this. It is in there. Yeah. It's in there.
0: Yeah. 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 Okay. So now you got this great cast of characters and then you got the recurring cast of the people in the group sessions and the patients, the fellow who played Mr. Carwin yes. who was amazing. What yes. was his name? Jack Riley. Unbelievable. Was he a comic?
2: Uh no, he wasn't a stand-up. Uh-huh. No, he was um he was the, 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 he was part of the what I call the Cleveland Mafia, uh-huh. which was uh, um, Pat McCormick.
0: Oh, yeah. Uh, he was funny.
2: Jack Riley. Uh-huh. Tim Conway. Uh-huh. Um, Ernie Anderson. Uh, anyway, these guys, anyway, he was... Uh,
0: they were out here. Yeah, Jack was, was, was more an actor than a uh-huh. uh, stand-up, yeah. So funny.
2: Great character. Oh, Is he great. still around? yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so that so that's what how history was made is that you were set up because you're good listening is one one way to put it but I think reactor. You're well, great,
2: that's that's a, that's the other word they use. Yeah, yeah. Bob reacts.
0: To yeah, it. and that's a that's sort of like I guess that's where the comparisons to Benny come from. That you know that you have that moment that take that's yeah. very specific to you. I, I don't see a real correlation, but it's just a comic thing. They, that they say I around.
2: have his timing, but you can't teach. No, no, That's the weird thing. What Jack was was he was was brave. He was one of the bravest. Oddly, Jack Benny, with his walk and all that, was one of the bravest comedians who ever lived. Really? Because he would just he would take the time. Yeah. He he wasn't afraid. He wasn't afraid of (laughs) silence or quiet or anything.
0: That's a lot of lessons to be learned from that. You know that you know to own it. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah, and decide your own pace. I'll
2: tell you a story, about d- yeah. d- d- Dick Martin told me the story.
0: From Rowan and Martin? Rowan and Martin. Yeah.
2: Rowan. Jack is appearing at the Sahara in Las Vegas. Uh-huh. The opening act is the Will Mess Trio with Sammy Davis Jr. Uh-huh. Okay. They come out. They open for Jack. Destroyed the audience. They're screaming, standing on the tables pounding. They, they go off. Jack comes out. He <laughs> said, aren't, aren't they wonderful? Aren't they just wonderful? um said in the afternoon sometimes i'll have a um i'll have s- uh, some tea uh usually, usually around i don't know 4 4:30 in the afternoon uh, qu- uh, quarter quarter 5 <laughs> uh, 5 so sometimes 5 and i uh, i was in a movie in, with this actor and i can't i can't remember his can't, oh, uh, one, I promised Sammy Davis he could do another, would you mind if Sammy, coming out, birth <laughs> of the blues, destroyed. Now, <laughs> you thought they destroyed him the first time. <laughs> They're pounding on uh-huh. the tables. You, Jack watches them go off. Clive, Clive, <laughs> that was his name. <laughs> <laughs> Did he pull him around?
0: Yeah. Killed it. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's, amazing. that's
2: brave. Yeah. That's brave.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's a hell of a reset after a big musical act, I bet. <laughs> so the, that show, the Bob Newhart show, I think set, it sort of set the standard for a comedian being in a sitcom, in a way.
2: Kind of, yeah.
0: I mean, it was like revolutionary. I mean, Mary Tyler Moore was one thing. That was an ensemble cast. But to build a show around a stand-up, it seems to me that was one of the first ones, really, of that model. Yeah,
2: I think so. Because you didn't have to spend six episodes explaining who the guy was. Right. You know, you know, you knew who Cosby was when he walked on. You knew. You knew who Roseanne was. You knew who.
0: Yep. And that all happened after you, and you were obviously you know comfortable with the material and the character, and you liked your writers. Yeah. Now, were there, was it a struggle at all to to sort of honor your voice? And, you know, how much did you have uh, influence in that?
2: Well, I had total (laughs) control if I wanted to. Right.
1: You know, if I wanted to exercise Yeah, yeah.
2: In the sixth year of the show, and I had already said that was going to be the end of the show, the sixth year Uh of the Bob Newhart show. Uh They came to me with a script where Suzanne is pregnant. Now, I had... Specified in the first, very first show, I did. I didn't want to have children. That isn't the kind of show I wanted to do. So, they they in the, in the hopes that maybe I would consider not ending the show with the sixth year and maybe going on to the seventh or eighth. That maybe if they introduce Suzanne's pregnant and has a baby and so I read this over the weekend. And uh, so Mike Zinberg, the producer, calls me, he said, Did you get the script? He said, Yes, I read it. I read it. He said, What'd you think? Very funny. I said, It's a very funny script. He said, Oh good, because we were worried we didn't know if you'd like it. I said, yes, it's very funny. I said, Who are you gonna get to play Bob? <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> so that was that. <laughs> so yeah, it's there. The right. power's
2: there if you right. choose to exercise right. it or not. It's yeah. Right. You, and you know it sir but
0: that wasn't your thing you, they knew and you know there yeah. was never yeah. so that ran for what 6 6 and that was it yeah and that was enough
2: yeah it's just a, it's a feeling yeah. it's just okay yeah i think
0: and I and they were okay with stopping it they weren't thrilled right <laughs> yeah
2: the network wasn't thrilled
0: right um so now the next show which happened what what few years later
2: Four years, I think, later, yeah.
0: Um, And you just wanted to keep working, doing the TV? No, I
2: knew I was going back to television. Yeah. I I just, I I loved the medium. I just, I enjoyed it. I understood it. Yeah. Uh, There was a normalcy to it. You had a job. Job, you go home and have normal hours. Yeah.
0: That went for, like,
2: what, eight Eight. years? Eight, that went eight, yeah. The first two were kind of shaky. Uh Uh-huh. We were feeling our way, and then... The the second year we brought in Julia Duffy, uh-huh. who was wonderful, and then and then Peter Scolari. And Tom Poston was in from the, the Bob the, Newhart Yeah, from show. The New yeah show. he was yeah. the peeper. Yeah, he was. Yeah, yeah. The, and then it took off. But the first couple of years were kind of.
0: But they they held in. They they stayed with. Yeah,
2: you. because I think a loyalty to me uh-huh. and Larry Darrell and Darryl. Yeah. <laughs> guys those were the
0: guys those were you, you you had a hell of a job as a straight man with that crew huh
2: well what I, I would always whenever they came in I was always behind the counter putting keys away or something <laughs> yeah. because there was there was going to be about about 30-40 seconds of applause uh-huh. when they came in and when they left there would be 30-40 seconds people loved them <laughs> the first show they came in we had a, uh, a witch was buried in the basement of the, of the inn and, mm-hmm. I, and I called Larry, Daryl, and Darrell, not knowing who they were. Uh, I said, we have a, a problem and we need someone to come over. They, they, were, they formed a company <laughs> they called Anything for a Buck. That was mm-hmm. what they were known as. And I said, well, I need somebody to dig something up in our basement. He said, well, we're very busy, and we couldn't make it till like, next Friday. I said, oh, I'm sorry, we need somebody before that. He said, just out of curiosity, what, what is it? I said, it's a dead, a dead witch is buried in our basement. He said, we'll, we'll be right over. <laughs> 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 so he comes in. He said, Hi, I'm Larry. This is my brother, Darrell. This is my other brother, Darrell. And the audience goes crazy. I said, uh, how are you doing? He said, I hurt my back. I said, "Oh, I said, it sounds like how'd you hurt your back? Said, crawling under a, a house." I said, "Oh, it sounds like rough work." She said it wasn't work. <laughs> I just enjoy crawling under houses.
0: <laughs> that guy was funny. What was his name? Bill Sanderson. Yeah, so that that goes into syndication. The Bob Newhart show goes into syndication. <clears throat> you know, where were you at mentally? Were you done? Were you, you sort of retired from television in your mind? Had you done enough? <sighs>
2: Yeah, yeah, kind of, Yeah, kind of. I. Th- my feeling was, I'd say no, I, I still have my fastball, you know, right. which actually, it, it's a change-up. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's not a fastball. And they wanted me for show, I didn't, well, no, no I, I came back, it didn't work. That was Bob. Right. It was kind of, the idea was, w- we want to give them a Bob Newhart they'd never seen. Mm-hmm. Well, the audience didn't want to see Bob Newhart. They <laughs> <laughs> late in the game for that, <laughs> so that didn't work. Then George and Leo—they talked me into George and Leo. Mm-hmm. The, the, they came to me and said, "You, you have to, you have to."
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, that didn't work. And but you were still doing stand-up dates occasionally. And, yeah, oh, sure. And You still do it now?
2: I do about yeah about twenty a year. How they stand-up. go? You love it still? Yeah. I hate getting there. Yeah. I hate the flying.
0: Do you, do you generate new stuff or no?
2: Well, some they want to hear. Yeah. I, I usually do. I'll do one. I'll do a driving instructor or so while right. Raleigh or One of the old. Because I know that's where some of the people want to hear that.
0: Didn't you do a special that was like in the 90s that was really...
2: at the, the Rayman, At the Raymond Theater. All the...
0: The first, those three records.
2: The first, yeah. Pretty much on... It's but, amazing, but, li- but live, right, in front of an audience, right, right, as opposed to on a record.
0: That's over. That's thirty-five years after, right? Yeah, and all those bits, I imagine, held up really well. Yeah,
2: that was amazing. The yeah. the, the,
0: the, the only one that that seems dated is the automaton one, you know, the machines.
2: Well, and Khrushchev, Khrushchev doesn't sure. hold up,
0: right, right, because yeah, no one has a point yeah. of reference for yeah. it. But that, I mean, I thought that the the uh, the machine one was was prescient. I mean, it was you know, it it did happen. Not exactly that way.
2: Well, that depends on how America feels about the military at that point. Oh, okay. Whether they like them or don't like them.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. How did you weather the '60s when everything kind of blew open? I mean, because you just were sort of, you know, on your own trajectory. But it seemed like you know you got guys like Carlin and you got guys like uh, you know, you know Pried in the late '60s that really kind of yeah, locked into it, that
2: because that wasn't who I was. Yeah, I just you know I'm, yeah. I'm a comedian. I'm a stand-up comedian. Right. But um, you didn't I, feel pressure. I don't inform people. Right. I mean, well, I do, but yeah, I do it very quietly. I do it. Um, uh uh-huh. Who am I? Right. Right. Yeah. That, that's kind of yeah. my attitude.
0: And, you know, like looking back on all, on all of it, you, you know, in, in all the comedy, because he seemed to be a tremendous fan of comedy, which I love. Oh, yeah. And, you know, you you know, you know, bring up Pryor. Oh,
2: he's
0: The best, right? Genius, yeah. yeah. Yeah.
2: No question about it. Here's what Pryor did for me. I, I made this comparison before. I got the uh, Mark Twain Award. Pryor got, was the first recipient of the Mark Twain Award. Yeah. And, and what Pryor did and Mark Twain did are virtually the same things. Twain wrote about life on the Mississippi, life on the frontier. Really, nineteen hundred, you know, the Mississippi was um, was the frontier in, in many ways. Richard did life in the inner city.
0: The the thing that always struck me about him, outside of you know the bits, was his vulnerability on, as a performer. Like, you know, the, there was a sort of a real tangible kind of emotional rawness to him that, you know, you felt like a lot of stuff was was really happening in that moment and that, you know, he was really putting his heart out there. Yeah. And... Um,
2: Painful stuff, too. Oh,
0: yeah. Yeah. When you read about his life... But
2: you read... It, you, He does the, the African-American minister. Yeah. The African-American minister in the black community occupies a position that the pastors and ministers, they don't occupy in the white community. Mm-hmm. They, they are much more of a force. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: yeah, the weight he brought to that thing. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. George Slaughter had some oh, kind yeah. of you know, right. comedy awards or something. Yeah, yeah, the
0: comedy awards, right.
2: I present him with the award. Then uh, Richard looks at me and he said, uh, he said, I, I stole your album. I said, said what would you say, Richard? He said, I stole your album, Peoria. I went to the rec store, put it in my jacket. With the first record? <laughs> first record. So I said, so I keenly, I said, well, you know, Rich, I get 25 cents an album. He says, give me a quarter. Somebody got a quarter? <laughs> give me a quarter here. Here, here you go.
0: <laughs> he was something else. No,
2: awesome. he was. He's. Yeah. Beyond. He's yeah. Beyond.
0: Where, you love comedy. Oh,
2: when I was in, I'd be in Vegas. Yeah. and it, it's I'm there for four weeks, and I'm this is the third week, and two shows a night, and you're not sure what day it is. Yeah. And I'm getting ready to go on. Oh, God. Jenny would play me prior. She, really? You know, she put the record prior.
0: Which one, which album? Do you remember? Uh, any of them?
2: And, any one of them. Yeah. You know? Mudbone, Mudbone is, it's uber comedy. It's beyond comedy comedy yeah um, it's mark twain it's, right it's yeah it's cultural it's yeah. it's a whole culture that it's just
0: you know, were you familiar with him before he became you know
2: yeah but what? i knew i i knew of him like when he was doing the road show cosby
0: uh-huh stuff right know? and he'd be on the yeah
2: uh, sullivan show. right and he did rage i think he was a poet wasn't he a poet and he did stuff <laughs> yeah <about> yeah <laughs> Very toned down. I was in Vegas and he was at a different place. I think that's when he said, "Screw it."
0: Yeah, it's no. Yeah. Screw it. Oh, I'm.
2: This is what I'm going to do, because I know he he attacked a guy in the front row who happened to be one of the uh, executives for the Hughes Corporation, mm-hmm. uh, a guy named Dick Danner, and he said, he said, "What? What are you shaking your head for?" You know, and then he started doing. That's when he started doing. He what, broke open. What made him? What made him famous? Right. And just talking about being black in Peoria right. and the mother and,
0: and. You were in Vegas that day, that night where he did that. Yeah, because I
2: heard about because they fired him on the spot.
0: Right, and, and that's that, when he went to Berkeley and regrouped. That's when this he, whole said, thing. he
2: said he said that this is what I'm going to do.
0: I can't be this guy anymore. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: I can't be a road company.
0: Yeah, Yeah. Me. yeah. But you know, you, you put prior, you know, uh, oh, on yeah. this, uh, yeah. you know, in this other world. And- Rickles
2: not is not thrilled about that. <laughs> <But> <laughs> <laughs> he would he would never hear this <laughs> unless somebody rats on yeah. me and tells him. It. <laughs> <laughs> well,
0: it's a different game, you know. Like if you look back at, you know, and you still watch a lot of comics. You that's know, my,
2: that's my favorite. My favorite thing is seeing a, a Letterman or something, yeah. a great new comedian. Yeah, I, yeah. Comes on and kills. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, wow, that's
0: because you can relate to it. Good luck. It, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. Good luck. I'm just on I, t- it. I yeah. tried it. Yeah, yeah. But like, you know, with comics, you want to see them and you don't because you see one and then, like, two weeks later, you'll start doing a bit and it just it's all falling into place and you start saying, wait did minute. I see this?" <laughs> yeah, you got. Am it. I making this up or did I see this somewhere? It's and, true.
0: You know, if you, if you're immersed in it, and it, for
2: a while I wouldn't I wouldn't watch other comics for fear, because w- the new stuff that I came with the first album, it it just it flowed it just yeah. it, it just how yeah. long do you want to make it right? You want to make it 12 minutes? Or you want to make it eight minutes?
0: Yeah, you do. Yeah, you, you sort of have <clears> to keep <throat> away. But were you ever able? Were you ever able to meet some of those other guys? Like you know, like did you ever have any contact with Lenny Bruce or Mort Sahl or those guys?
2: I Met Lenny a couple times. Yeah, yeah.
0: Um, it seems like there's a line drawn between him and everything else. Not not in, the, in a good way, necessarily. Like, like he was, you know, it seemed to me to the comic community, to some of them, they're like, that guy's just, you know, overrated troublemaker.
2: He was uneven, though. Lenny would be uneven. He, right. he would be just great one night. And and then the, then the next night he wouldn't be so great. And then he got into that whole assassination and, right. and you know, and,
0: Oh, with the Kennedy assassination? Yeah,
2: yeah. And, and
0: with Jackie trying to get out of the car.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, it was it was bold. No,
2: he was yeah he was so, <laughs> but he was a mixture of show business, chickie baby, and yeah. yeah, and Yiddish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah people cool. don't realize how much Yiddish he spoke. Yeah, it was all very second nature yeah. to him. <laughs> yeah and then you know and then the battle became the battle with drugs and with the authorities yeah. you know and, and yeah. that just you know crushed them now if you were to oh, the other thing I want to ask you now i know you you know you did these two series you know one for six seasons, one for eight seasons, you never won an Emmy okay. you got nominated a lot and then you do you, you do some uh some uh big bang big right. bang theories and they give you the Emmy yes. wait was there a, a, a building bitterness about that
2: no because um all right, I did six years, ages fourteen years, and then fifteen, fifteen counting the Bob Newhart show, mm-hmm. the variety show, and then seventeen or eighteen with Bob and George and Leo. So that's eighteen years on television. Yeah, I was nominated six or seven times.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay,
2: for several years I didn't. Submit my name for the award because I didn't feel what I do doesn't it doesn't get awards. Yeah. But that's all right because that's what I do. Right. I'm not going to change what I do to get an award.
0: So you're like I'm not even going to put myself in the running.
2: I didn't. Yeah. For six years. So. So I I've been nominated enough. I was beat by people who were who were very good.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
2: I, I no there was I, there was no. Yeah. Would I like to have had one? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. What I what yeah, and and I have one now.
0: good good, and you did SNL a couple of times. That one must have been fun. Nice show. Yeah, yeah. That's a. I think that I think Lauren must have a tremendous amount of respect for you.
2: I hope so. Yeah, yeah. I <laughs> mean, yeah. It's that that show is amazing. Yeah, you know, to to do it, I I, I couldn't do it today. I'm, right. Yeah, physically to do it,
0: and you work with Will Ferrell on Elf. That must be He's a very funny guy. Yeah, I mean, yeah. like he's got to be up nice. there. He
2: also doesn't get a lot of credit for for his his role in Elf because that could have been just a big dumb guy. Yeah, wh- who didn't get it. Yeah, but it wasn't a big dumb guy. It was this very likable, yeah, person who thought he was an elf. Yeah, <laughs> <He's> <laughs> you know, it, it would have been very easy for that to. For people say, oh, come on.
0: Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. He's, he's a special guy, you know, yeah. a very sweet guy. But when he turns, he knows, he's one of those guys where I, I interviewed him low key, very amicable. And he's one of those guys where you sit and talk to him and you're kind of half waiting. you know, like, <laughs> when's he, something's going
2: to happen? I just don't get, when's he going when to, I'm talking to him for an hour going, uh huh, when are you going to do the funny thing? You know? <laughs> See, it's what we talked about off yeah. mic. Mm hmm. Which which was, to talk, to talk to somebody else who's done stand up. It, it's it's just it's you can't explain it.
0: I know special club.
2: Yeah, it's a very private club, filled with a lot of crazy people. That's for sure. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> <laughs> Always who it, who
0: right. Was it,
2: who was the guy who committed suicide? Um, Rich Jenny. Jenny. Yeah. I thought he was. I thought he was wonderful.
0: Great, great, great comment. Great. Yeah. Who knows something something went wrong yeah Yeah, you see it all the time and it's a lot of the same reason why we're comics we don't fit in and (laughs) that whatever's going on out there ain't right for us (laughs) and there's a certain amount of acceptance that's the beautiful thing that's it is like you know obviously for generations it's been true you got a bunch of loose screws out there and they're with us and, yet, you know, what would be sort of overwhelming to just a regular working person is just a liability of our business. Oh, yeah, I know that guy. He's out of his mind. I wouldn't get into a car with him, but you can eat with him. You know, that kind of stuff. <laughs> don't give him your phone number. Great act. Don't don't give him your phone number. <laughs> so that's been going on since the beginning.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Dick Martin told me this story. Dick Martin does not, he has never lied to me in mm-hmm. his life. Yeah. You think comics are crazy. Right. right. There's a ventriloquist named, if I remember, Pat Patrick. Is hmm on a plane, a small plane. Yeah. With the dummy. Yeah. He jumps out of the plane, leaves a note, the dummy did it. He killed himself. He killed himself. <laughs> I, I,
0: I hope that's true.
2: I hope it's true. Too.
0: <laughs> so let's Like, I know the box set is out of the of the complete Bob Newhart show uh, from the Shout Factory. I know that there's a few available of, the, of, of Newhart as well. The records are always available outside of the first three. You did like seven, right? all I think
2: so. Yeah, and one was a compilation. I think. Right.
0: Now, like looking back, as I was saying, the, the mudbone bit. Now, if you were to say one of the, one bit of yours that you thought was that's just the the gem, the one you like doing the most, or the one that you thought that was the best bit you ever wrote, what would it be? And I'll play it on the show.
2: Okay. The, uh, the problem, is, the cliche is which mm. which child.
0: Right. Yeah. Right. Do you want me? Richard. Okay. Sure. Yeah. Sophie's Choice.
2: But I like them for different right. reasons. I like. The driving instructor, because I think that's the one that that pushed the record, that drove the first album
0: very accessible. Yes. yeah.
2: I love the submarine commander. Yeah, it's it's, it's, a, it's the big corporation, right? Where some guy gets to the top who has, who's totally incompetent. In- incompetent. I, I love Abe Lincoln. Yeah, because. It says something uh-huh. that's that's even truer today than it was fifty three years ago. Mm-hmm. The focus groups and yep. manipulation of sure
0: the people who are really running things. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, I got to tell you, it was a, it was a tremendous honor for me to talk to you. Thank you, thank and you, and, and, we, really and
2: we got in we got into great areas. That I appreciate I, it. I love that I love to get into.
0: Well, thanks for talking, Bob. Sure.
3: Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, Many of you may have read The Hidden Persuaders. It's about advertising. And one of the points the book made was that the real danger of the public relations man or the advertising man was that they were creating images. And they felt that in the presidential campaigns the candidates were really getting closer and closer together. There was no real difference between them. And you were really voting for the man And this got me to thinking, supposing this science were as far advanced during the Civil War as it is today, and there was no Lincoln. Now, the advertising people realizing this would have had to create a Lincoln. And I think they would have gone about it something like this. This is a telephone conversation between Abe and his press agent just before Gettysburg. Hi, ah, Abe, sweetheart, how are you, <laughs> uh, how, how's, how's get How's Bert? Sort of a drag, huh? <laughs> well, Abe, you know them small Pennsylvania towns. <laughs> hey, you seen one, you seen them all. <laughs> right. Uh, listen, Abe, I got to know it. What, what, what's the problem? You're, you're, you're thinking of shaving it off. Uh Abe, uh, don't you see that's part of the image? Right, with the with a shawl and the stovepipe at the string tie. You, you don't have the shawl. Uh where's the shawl, Abe? You you left it in Washington. What are you wearing, Abe? A, a sort of cardigan? Abe, uh, don't you see that doesn't fit with with the the, uh, string tie and the beard? (coughs) Abe, would you you leave the beard on and get the shawl,
1: huh?
3: All right, now what's this about Grant? You're getting a lot of complaints on Grant's drinking, huh? Uh, Abe, to be perfectly honest with you, I don't see the problem. I mean, you knew he was a lush when you pointed him, you see that? (laughs) You're, 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 ga- you're gag writers. Yeah, you're gag writers. You're, you you want to come back with something funny? Huh? Maybe an anecdote about a town drunk. Well, I can't promise anything, Abe. I'll, I'll get him working on it. Right, Abe, you got the speech. Abe, you haven't changed the speech, have you? Uh, Abe, what do you change the speeches for? <laughs> a, couple, a couple minor changes, I'll, I'll, I'll bet. All right, all right, all right. What are they? You what? You, you typed it.
1: <laughs>
3: Abe, uh, how many times have we told you on the backs of envelopes?
1: <laughs>
3: I, I understand it's harder to read that way, Abe, but it, it looks like you wrote it on the train coming down or something. Like that. <laughs> Abe, could you do this? Could you memorize it and then put it on the backs of the envelopes? We're getting a lot of play in the press on that. How are the envelopes holding out? <laughs> You can stand in another box. Alright, I'll stand. I'll stand uh, what what else, Abe? You change you changed four score and seven to to eighty <laughs> seven? Uh, I understand you meant the same thing, Abe. Well, Abe, that's meant to be a grabber. <laughs> uh, Abe, uh, we test marketed that in A. An and they went out of their minds at that. Trust. Well, Abe, it, it's, sort of, it, it's sort of like Mark Anthony saying, uh, uh, friends, Romans, countrymen, I've got something I want to tell you. <laughs> you see what I mean, Abe? It, uh, uh, what, what, what else? People will little note nor long remember. <laughs> Abe, what could possibly be wrong with that?
1: <laughs>
3: They'll remember it. Abe, hey, they'll remember it It's the old humble bit You can't say it's a great speech I think everybody's going to remember it, Abe eh? You come off a bragger, don't you see that? Abe, hey, hey, do the speech the way Charlie wrote it, would you? The inaugural address swung, didn't it? All right, anything else? You talk to some newspaper men. Uh, Abe, I wish you wouldn't talk to newspaper men. Well, you always put your foot in. You? No, that's just what I mean, Abe. No, no. No, no, no. You're a rail splitter, then an attorney. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Abe, it doesn't make any sense that way. I mean, you wouldn't give up your law practice to become a rail splitter. Don't you would you read the by Og, Abe? You'll save a lot of trouble on this, end. Uh, uh, Abe, Abe, listen, before I forget, um, um, the manufacturer is, is coming out with the Abe Lincoln T-shirt right, on Tuesday.
1: Uh,
3: could, could you work that into the address somewhere, Abe? Uh, play it by ear, wh- wh- whatever you can do. Uh, Abe, you, have you got a pencil and paper there? Will you take this down? You can fool all of the people... Some of the time, and some of the people, all of the time. But you can't fool all the people, all the time. Well, you keep doing it differently. Eddie, <laughs> the last quote I got was, "You can fool all the people all the time," and you. <laughs> uh, Abe, Abe ho- ho- hold on, hold on. Uh, they come up with a thing on Grant. Ho- right. right. Good, good, but, yeah, all beautiful. Yeah, hey, listen to this. It's, they got a beautiful squelch on Grant, right? The next time they bug you about Grant's drinking, right? you tell him you're going to find out what brand he drinks, and send a case of it to all the other generals. Right. Uh, no, no, it's it's uh, like like the brand uh, was the reason he won. <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, uh, Abe, uh, use it. It's fine. <laughs> trust me, Mister. Uh, uh, Saturday, Saturday night. Oh, Abe, I'm sorry. I'm gonna I'm gonna be in New York Saturday night. Uh, a bridge party at the White House. Oh, Abe, I'd I'd love to make it. Uh, how about Seward? You try him. He, he'll be out of town too, huh? Oh, that's that's a, you. You and you uh, what's your name? Be home alone. Mary, be home alone. Huh? Oh. Listen, Abe, uh, why don't you take in a play?
0: I'll, I'll be talking to you. Go on. I just got done. I just got out of Bob Newhart's house. Now I'm driving home. and What an amazing conversation. What an amazing history. What an amazing memory and clarity the guy had and I was really ha- uh, happy and honored to talk to him and uh, I shut the equipment off I was packing up my bags and we were chatting and they went out to my car to get my phone to take a picture and the phone had overheated so I came back and I was waiting around and Bob was uh, you know showing me pictures that were in his office you know it was a, a letter from President Kennedy uh, you know a picture of him and George Burns a picture of him and Jack Benny a picture at a at a party at Buddy Hackett's house with Shecky Green, Don Rickles, Jerry Vale, Dom DeLuise, Norm Crosby uh, Norman Fell uh, you know, pictures uh, you know it's just, you know he's taking things off the wall, he's showing me pictures of the cast of both shows and what an amazing career, what a sweet guy you know, what a, what a, a, a an amazing life he had and uh it really went differently than than a lot of other comics I talked to in, in just in terms of a guy who got these these amazing opportunities you know based on not very much experience but really you know showed up and 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 you know was the real deal. It's a hell of a thing to start at the top and and stay there. It was a, a amazing afternoon for me and i'm I'm happy to share it with you and I hope he's around for a long time okay i'm gonna I should probably drive and not talk on the mic okay